Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to our first episode of the new year. And in this, we are talking about our top 10 films of 2022. But before we do that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, what is the best non-2022 movie that you saw for the first time this year? So I am Sandra Amstutz. I live here in Nashville, Tennessee. And when... Queen Elizabeth died this year. For the first time, I watched The Queen starring um, Helen Mirren as Queen Elizabeth um, about her reaction and handling of Princess Diana's death. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was uh, very interesting the movie to watch in the wake of her own death. That is such a good movie and also obviously such a good time <laughs> to watch it. With Prince Harry's new book coming out, this royal content oh boy, continues yeah. <laughs> to be relevant. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I'm Lucas Wright from Chicago. Um, and for me, the movie that I saw, the best movie I saw for the first time this year is a 1957 movie called Pass of Glory. This is one of Stanley Kubrick's first couple movies that he directed. And I'm not a big war movie person. Um, those movies exhaust me. <laughs> um, but this is the best one I've ever seen. It's basically after refusing to attack, to attack um, a general ends up accusing his soldiers of cowardice and their commanding officer, um, who is played by uh, Kirk Douglas, has to get in the middle of it. And it's basically just a real deconstruction on uh, how war is terrible and how the people in charge of war are also terrible <laughs> and how everyone suffers. So um, it is a good movie. It is hard, I think, to recommend a war movie really to anybody. Uh, but I will say this movie is under 90 minutes. So Ooh. it is one that you can get through quickly. <laughs> yeah, that's always a great selling yeah. point. Uh, but I loved it. And I actually think it's Stanley Kubrick's best movie. Well, I want to start talking about movies that did come out this year, and usually we strive to watch as many new releases as possible, but I am curious, Sandra, how many were you actually able to watch this year? So this was kind of a slow year for me, um, just in movies in general. I watched 41 of the 2022 releases this year. Um, yeah, not as many as I'd like, but I also, at the same time, don't feel like I missed much. So <laughs> I don't know if that, what that says about 2022. Yeah, I think I think 2022 is an interesting year. I think it was a fun year in movies. Um, I'm not gonna lie, most years I've, I'm hard pressed to recommend most of my top 10 to people just due to how depressing they are, I think. But <laughs> I think we got a lot of fun movies this year. Yeah, um, I can see that. I think we got a lot of good movies, but I don't think we got a lot of great movies. So I think like the I feel like we're gonna have a lot of a lot of crossover in our in our top 10 here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think I think the the amount of movies that I missed is uh, very low. So I ended up watching seventy eight movies uh, that came out this year, but that was mostly due to um, just during the break, I was able to just kind of crank out a ton of movies that um, I wasn't I didn't necessarily think would end up on the list, but was interested in anyway. Sure. Sure. You know, another thing that I think is unique about this year is at least my top 10 list um, feels more obvious this year than most. Like, yeah. I feel like a lot of years I have two or three 
picks that are surprising or that you might not have heard of before. And I don't feel like I have that diversity this year. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think I I have a couple that ended up on my list that I was surprised ended up there. But mm. even still, they're, they're ones that like I've talked about on the podcast before Same. and stuff like that. So it's just like I think for me, I probably only have one that is a true surprise on this list. Yeah, well, I'm, so. I can't wait to find out yeah. what it is. Yeah. So let's what what movies did you miss that you feel could have ended up on your list if you'd actually had the chance to see them? Each year I have like this list of movies that I've missed and I'm like, oh, I just feel so bad that I didn't get a chance to see that. You know, I don't really feel that this year. Um, I didn't see Babylon just because it seemed kind of exhausting. The same. (laughs) But I am. So you didn't see that either. Okay. Um, But I could I could see a version of where like if I did get the energy to see it where Mm -hmm. I might like it. I the, the I think the movie that I'm the most dis- disappointed that I didn't see was Bones and All, um, Luca Guadagnino's movie starring mm-hmm. Timothy Chalamet and uh, Taylor Russell. That I've heard that that movie's really good. It just seemed a little dark and intense for my mood these days, and so I haven't given it a chance. Um, and then there are two other movies that I don't think probably would have ended up on my top 10 list, but seemed really up my alley that I wish I could have seen. Um, that is Catherine Called Birdie and Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Um, both movies I just didn't seem to make time for. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, for me, Babylon is kind of at the top of that list as like one of the big, I think, Oscar contenders this year that I was just, uh, I felt uh, like it was going to just be exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> so might have ended up on my list, who knows, but it's also over three hours long and uh, I didn't really want to make time for it. So um, a couple others for me, I think this was a weird year that I felt like most of the movies that I wanted to see were available and the ones that weren't were not in theaters either. It's not like mm. I couldn't get to theaters. It was just that this was not available in the U.S. So two um, uh, foreign language films, Return to Seoul and St. Omer, were ones that I was very interested in seeing but have not come to theaters in Chicago yet. Uh, mm. And I think part of that is due to where the Oscars are placed this year. Everybody's moving things around to try to make sure that they have prime placement before the Oscars. And so a lot of the 2022 movies are not coming out to like late February or March, which at that point feels like a 2023 movie to me. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I would say the only other one on the list that I missed is all the beauty and the bloodshed. That was another one that um, I missed in theaters and has not been available literally anywhere since I've been checking every day. Yeah. So. I imagine that that one's not, uh, rushing to streaming yeah yeah the way that some others yeah would be. i was re- i was reading a lot and it looks like hbo bought the rights so it will come to hbo max at some point but okay. with the way hbo max is going who knows when that will happen so yeah i wonder um i haven't really been keeping up with a lot of oscar buzz yeah if have they released like a short list for documentaries they have released a short list and it's on there Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I could see that, like, if it gets nominated, it, HBO, like, mm-hmm. throwing it out just, you know, as soon as it gets nominated. Yeah. I think that's um, a good move on their part. Yeah. So. Uh, well, cool. Now that we've covered our basis, are you ready to jump into our lists? I definitely am. All right. Let's start with number 10. Okay. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll preface this by saying that my number 10 and my number 11, I really struggled with deciding which would like make the list and which wouldn't. Um, but what I ended up deciding is that my number 10 movie of the year is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh, 
Now, did you see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? I did. I saw this movie uh, very early in the year at a press screening where I didn't know what I was getting into. That's right. I forgot about that. And I know that you have kind of an aversion to Pete Davidson, um, but how did you feel about the movie as a whole? Oh, I really enjoyed this movie. I was actually very surprised at how much I liked it. Um, Going into it, I was afraid it was going to be a true horror movie, and it is not um, to that extent. So I, I really enjoyed it. I thought everybody in it is fantastic. Um, and I'm actually kind of excited to watch it again. Yeah, me too. I haven't given it a second watch yet. Um, but the reason why this movie made my top 10 is mostly because it's so memorable. Like (laughs) I, I, I remember so many scenes in this movie and lines of dialogue that have like stuck in my brain. Um, What I love about Bodies, 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 which if you're not familiar, it's about a group of 20-somethings that get stuck in a mansion during a hurricane, and um, someone ends up dead, and they have to try to figure out, like, who is the killer amongst their group of friends. Um, And this is, like, my ideal version of what like quote-unquote horror (laughs) right you and i both don't love intense horror yes but this kind of horror where it is like unsettling it is you it is tense um but there's also this like there's tons of jokes in this movie it's very very funny to me um and it's also a really really interesting look at female friendship at that age which is what i think was drew me the most to this film and why i loved it the so why I loved it enough to put it on this list. Yeah. Um, I loved how vicious it was. Um, I loved how willing to make fun of its own characters it was, but yet it still holds like them as real people that you're invested in. Um, yeah, I just had a blast with this movie. And I think a theme for a lot of movies on my list this year is I just had so much fun watching yep. them. Yep. Yeah. I agree with you there. Um, I think, yeah, I think this movie is really great. And I <laughs> was truly, truly shocked and surprised how much I enjoyed it, um, going into it and realizing I'm about to watch Pete Davidson. <laughs> so, totally. <laughs> uh, but the rest of the cast truly, I mean, he's also great in it. I have no he's, qualms about him in it. Totally. So it's an amazing cast. Amanda Stenberg, um, Maria Bakalova. Um, this is the first thing I've seen her in, but I know she got a lot of attention from, um, What's that movie that she did? Uh, the, Borat number two. Whatever that's right. That one was called. Um, Rachel Sennett, who I think is just like yeah. a, a, a queen. I, I will watch pretty much anything that she's in, I mm-hmm. think, from now on. Yeah. Um, Mahala Harold, who I think was really, really good in this movie and who's great in industry. Yeah. Um, the HBO show. Um, Lee Pace. King <laughs> Lee Pace. Such a good uh, performance from Lee Pace. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's really, really good. And I, what I like about this movie is that it is making fun of this generation of people, right? This, mm-hmm. the gen, the aging Gen Zers, right? Yeah. Like the, the top, the upper tier of Gen Z. Um, but it really nails them while, ma- while making fun of them. So much media makes fun of Gen Z, but like doesn't really understand Gen Z. They, you know, I think they're parodying them in a way that doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. And this felt really true to life to me. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, yeah, so that's my number 10. What do you have as your number 10? My number 10 is also a very fun movie that I enjoyed a lot this year, and that is Prey. 
Um, I think this is what we've wanted from most studios, <laughs> just to tell a good, very simple story in the universe of one of your franchises and let a talented filmmaker kind of just do their thing. Yeah. Um, this movie is about a Comanche girl who's trying to protect her tribe um, from a, quite a few actual dangers that end, and ends up at, like in a head-to-head um, with a highly evolved alien predator from the Predator franchise. Uh, this is Die Hard on the Great Plains. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, very, very simple um, and feels like um, kind of a brand new version of franchise storytelling. Dan Trachtenberg directed it, who has done – this is now, I guess, his – second third i didn't look this up uh franchise movie uh he did 10 cloverfield lane which was also kind of a backdoor uh franchise movie for the cloverfield uh movies and what else did he do looking it up now that is it okay (laughs) (laughs) he's done some tv um yeah but those two movies i think really show he's a really really good action director um and just has a really good grasp of tension and i am very excited to see what else he continues to do hopefully uh he i'd love to see him do some original stuff but i have no qualms with him diving into uh franchise stuff at this point yeah this is a movie that i keep hearing about and i haven't made time to watch mostly because like I'm so unfamiliar with the Predator franchise. Like, I just have no basis for it. Um, So it feels like kind of a weird place to jump in. Um, But I've heard nothing but good things. I think it's actually a great place to jump jump in, again, because you don't have to know anything about any other thing that's happened with this ridiculous, dumb franchise in the past. So it's very simple. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily hold your hand on kind of what this mm. thing is, but it also um, lets you kind of explore uh, what she sees. Uh, it, it's all, again, all being all from her perspective, this is the first time she's encountering it and sure. it's, it's great for you as well. So, okay, cool. I think you'd like it. Yeah. All right. On to number nines. So my number nine movie of the year is Nope. Um, Jordan Peele's latest new movie starting, starring Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer. I, I thought Get Out was a masterpiece. I didn't see Up, or Us, excuse me. Um, but I was excited about Nope. And again, similarly to Bodies, 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 like, if this is what we can categorize as quote-unquote horror, I'm in on yeah. this. You know, yeah. this is what I can handle. Yeah. Um, I found Nope to be thrilling. It was so exciting. Um. I thought it was the cinematography might be some of my favorite of the year. It was so beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer, they're both like, they're always amazing. But in this, they like really got a chance to shine. Kiki Palmer is having like the biggest year of her life, it seems. And it's been fun to be along for the ride for that. Um, I just found Nope to be like, this is like what an entertaining box office hit should be. Yeah. I want a movie that I, I'm on the edge of my seat throughout it. I, it's surprising. It has something really important to say. And I, I just, I had a blast with Nope. I don't, I'm trying to avoid talking about the story itself just because if anyone hasn't seen Nope yet, yeah. this is a movie I don't want to spoil in any shape or form. Um, 
And I think there's a lot of surprises in it. So I I just think it's an incredible film. I 100% agree with you. I feel like talking about any of the actual plot stuff um, doesn't ruin it, but really kind of takes away from the experience of watching this movie. Um, I don't think it's a massive, like, spoilery movie. Like, there's this one twist that you're going to – it's just like everything about this movie is so interesting, (laughs) and I want to talk about it, uh, but I would really love for everybody to watch this movie. Yeah. In addition to cinematography, I think the production design on this film oh, yeah. is is like maybe my top of the whole year. Yeah. The the way that um very specific elements of the film are are, are designed, costumes are are designed, the the sets, the home that the, the, the most of the film takes place in, um it, everything was really really thought out. I loved it so so much. Yeah. I agree. We will talk about this movie more in a second. Great. But, um, I, I was curious. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This Whether movie, we'll be talking uh, about it Spoiler more. alert, made my list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is not at the number nine spot, so I will stop talking about it right now. <laughs> um, number nine for me is a movie that I just saw yesterday. <laughs> I love it. I pull this move so much. Yes. So when you pull this move, it makes me feel so great. It is true. I rarely pull this move. But, right. Uh, this happened to me. This is the surprise that ended up on my list. I had not heard much about this movie, but it has been sitting on my HBO Max screen for almost the entire year. The movie is called The Fallout. This is a very small, like, intimate story of a high schooler um, navigating kind of the emotional and personality changes really that happen following a school shooting um this movie is very very i think honest about uh kind of the life and feelings of high schoolers and i know jenna ortega has had a massive year with what is it wednesday scream and i think she was an ex as well Uh, but this is the first thing that i saw her in and she is fantastic i don't think you've seen this movie have you i have not i hadn't even heard of this movie okay It is great. And as someone who really loves watching relationships with young girls, I think you would enjoy this movie a ton. I'm literally (laughs) adding it to my letterbox watch list as you're speaking. Yeah. I think this movie does a really good job of uh, getting into, I think, the feelings of the aftermath of a school shooting without uh, diving too much into the trauma of being in a school shooting, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's not trauma porn and it is not you're not spending time with the school shooting you know yeah. the, the, the whole movie it's really about the relationships that change after that um and kind of all all of it it's it's so good um and i would really encourage everybody to watch it oh i'm so excited to hear about this movie because it sounds really really interesting um yeah I, and the fact that it's streaming i can watch it tomorrow night yes I'm, that's really great, that's great. <laughs> yeah all right number eight Okay, my number eight is a movie that um, I talked about on the podcast before. Um, this this is one of the – I saw it early in the year, it feels like. And I remember when I saw it thinking, well, that's absolutely going on my top ten list. <laughs> it just immediately hit me with how good it was. And that is called Good Luck to You, Leo Grant. Ah, yes. Um, so this is a movie starring Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormick. Emma Thompson plays a sort of um, inexperienced, prudish, older woman who has hired a sex worker um, to broaden her sexual sexual horizons. Um, and the almost the entire film takes place 
with just the two of them in a hotel room having conversations, um, primarily about sex. And I am the such a sucker for movies that are just people talking to each other. Um, I love dialogue more than anything in films. My favorite films of all time have just been films that are primarily conversations. Mm -hmm. And this is going in the top tier for me of movies that are like that. Um, I also am a big sucker for movies that have really honest depictions and conversations about sex, which this is has plenty of. Um, I think that this film is so fresh and interesting in the way that it talks about female sexuality, specifically an older woman's sexuality. Um, also the way it talks about sex workers. Um, I think we've had decades of sex workers and films being reduced to, you know, stereotypes and, um, or, 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 or trauma porn as, you know, tragedy porn, lots of, lots of depictions that, um, don't mirror what maybe a lot of people think of as sex work in 2022. And, um, I loved everything about this film. It was, it charmed me right away. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. Um, I, it's streaming, so it's very easy to watch. Um, and I highly, highly recommend it to everyone. Um, I, I agree with you. This is a great streaming watch. This is a movie I watched, uh, when I had COVID and, (laughs) um, (laughs) great to lay in bed and watch this. This, It was like, like you said, like dialogue, I think dialogue is our thing. Like we are very into movies that are just people talking and this movie hits the spot for sure. Um, I really, really love Emma Thompson's performance in this. Um, and I just like I was really surprised at what this movie was because I I came into it again it went straight to streaming on Hulu and I thought oh this will be just you know a little fun movie that it's enjoyable but I was surprised at actually how good this movie is yeah this was also the first time I saw Daryl McCormack in anything oh, and this yeah. was like such an amazing debut for me he was oh yeah he's great so, he's yeah shines in this film yeah um well what is your number eight. My number eight is uh, there's no way to connect it to. I was trying to figure out a, uh, a, a transition, and mine is the exact opposite of people sitting in rooms talking. Mine is RRR, <laughs> the most nice. bombastic, action-packed uh, dance movie of uh, ever. Really, I have not seen a lot of Indian movies. Um, I've seen a couple, and most of them have been you know smaller dramas. Um, this is the first like true blockbuster Indian movie that I've seen, and it really blew me away. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, um, it is kind of the story of two legendary revolutionaries who um, are basically fighting against the British in the 1920s. It is fully fictionalized and is really just a fun superhero movie. Um, and it's on Netflix, and it. Uh, the first time I watched it, I was just like, this is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's that good. And then I kept rewatching some of the dance uh, sequences and some <laughs> yeah. of the action sequences. And I just kept coming back to it. And finally, I just rewatched the whole movie again. And I was like, this movie's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what it was that was holding me back from it. I just think like it's very long and there's a lot going on in it. And it is so different from the movies that I'm used to seeing. Um, and so I think like getting to watch it a second time made me realize um, what a monumental achievement <laughs> a movie like this is. Yeah, I'm so glad that you recommended this movie so that I could watch it with my friends here. Yeah. Um, this, I mean, if for anyone who hasn't g- given RRR a chance yet, if you like Fast and the Furious, you will love RRR. Like yes. that is just 
uh, something I will die on. Yeah. Um, it is as bombastic and over the top and exciting as any Fast and the Furious movie. It deals with a lot of similar themes as a yes. lot of the Fast and the Furious movies do. Uh, male friendship one. through the roof is yeah. just, um, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> um, and the, I think the only thing that holds me back from like recommending this movie to people is its runtime. It is a three yeah. hour movie and it is a quite a big commit. And it's, it's, you know how some three hour movies don't feel like three hours. Mm-hmm. This one feels like three hours to me. It's, it does. It's quite long. <laughs> it does. Um, but I, I wouldn't cut anything. I think it's I know, so right? Yeah. <laughs> exciting and fun. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see yeah. it on your list. It was, it's a runner up for me. Um, but I, I had such a blast watching yeah. it. Uh, I have found the best way to watch it is to break it up into segments. So watch the first part. Um, and it, it has pretty good chapter markers, honestly. Um, and then, and then, you know, go have lunch and then come back and watch the second part and make a day of it really is, is really what you do with this movie. <laughs> so. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to our number sevens. Okay. So my number seven movie of the year, um, again, keeping in theme with movies that just, I had so much fun watching is um, the movie that I think I actually had the best time in a movie theater with. Oh. Um, Like my best movie theater experience. Um, And that was Bros, the romantic comedy starring Billy, that written and starring by Billy Eichner. Um, This is a movie I was really excited about. I've been a big fan of Billy Eichner for a long time. Um, I love romantic comedies, and this was going to be a big one for the year. Uh, we don't get a ton of romantic comedies anymore, at least not big budget ones like this. And so this was highly anticipated. And I haven't laughed in a movie theater like I did seeing Bros in I don't even know how long. Um, I just found this movie so hilarious. And um, as like a fan of Nora Ephron rom-coms... Um, no one compares to Nora Ephron. I, I know that that's like a fool's errand is trying to compare new movies or new writers to, to Nora Ephron. Yeah. But I do think that this movie does a fair job at attempting to like follow in the footsteps of her work. Um, I think one of the things I love about Nora Ephron's rom-coms is that they have these like grand romantic moments that we all remember and love but the scripts are actually very cutting in ways that um, she's her writing is so charming that we don't think of those movies as mean. <laughs> and yet there is like a lot of cutting humor in it in yeah. them. Um, and I think bros really follows in those footsteps. Um, they bros just also had some moments that really like knocked me off my feet. Um, there's a, there's a line in the very beginning of the film that really hit me hard that I thought, wow, that's such a beautiful and impactful line. Um, Billy Eichner's character says between the weird sex with strangers you don't like and the conversations with friends you love that you would never have sex with, you cobble together a version of a romantic single life. And that line really hit me so hard as something that I related to personally, um, but that also felt so insightful and like something that you would hear in a Nora Ephron rom-com. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but most importantly, I thought this movie was just 
the funniest thing I've seen in a really long time. Um, I rewatched it recently. I think it's still incredibly funny. Um, the romantic moments really hit for me. I, I loved Rose so much. Um, this is one that I had mixed feelings about. I felt like it was in, it was really insightful and I think had a lot of really good concepts to it. Uh, the execution didn't fully work uh, for me, but um, I was surprised how much I actually enjoyed this movie. <laughs> did you think it was funny? Did I you did like, think it was funny. Did the it was humor very work funny. for you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, that to me is its biggest strong suit. Mm-hmm. Um, is its humor. Um, there, I, I think that the my biggest criticism of this movie is that they they it needed another edit. Like there, yeah. there's a lot of unnecessary scenes in this film. Yeah. Um, but the the good in it shines so bright that like that's that's okay with me. Nice. Yeah. Um, my number seven. We are back to talking about Nope. <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, again, I don't have a ton more to say. Uh, I love Nope. Um, again, one of the more fun things that I've actually seen this year. Um, and so much, I think, to say. I feel like there's a lot of movies that we watch that have a lot to say that it's like, oh, there's too much going on here. And mm. it doesn't really gel into a consistent movie. I feel like this is a movie that had a ton to say and it all worked together. Um, and it was a movie that I, I kind of took, I took the bus home and was just thinking about it the entire time, um, which is always a good sign for a movie for me. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're right. This is a movie that I've continued to think about since mm-hmm. I've seen it. Uh, since I've seen it. A lot of the things that I continue to think about are really iconic images and yeah. moments Yeah, uh, that I think Jordan Peele is like a master at creating the, that like iconic moment that we all can t- keep talking about yeah. after we've seen the movie. Yeah. Um, that's what, that's what stayed with me yeah. the most. I was recently on a flight and I had, uh, it was like 20 minutes to landing. So I was like, I can't watch a movie, but I will, uh, just skip through. Nope. And just watch the, like yes. the little images that I want to see from this movie again. And it was, it was delightful. So totally. Oh, I'm so, yeah, I'm so glad that this made your list as well. So is this the, this is the first movie that we both have. This is right? our first crossover, which is okay, nice. shocking. Cause we are about to be on number six. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Um, well, my number six, I know we're not going to have any crossover on because <laughs> you've already told me you didn't get a chance to see that. Um, it is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Yeah. Um, so I've talked about this pretty recently on the pod, but this is a documentary um, that follows the life of photographer and artist Nan Golden and her her photography work as well as her activism against the Sackler family, which is a pharmaceutical dynasty that um, is basically responsible for the opioid epidemic. Um, And so it's about her, her growing up and her life with her family, her life with her chosen family in her, you know, 20 adulthood, um, her, the subjects of her photography, it's about addiction. It's about, it's a, very much about activism in a way that I found just incredibly moving. Um, this movie is about like a lot of devastating topics, um, addiction, the AIDS epidemic, um, just rampant greed <laughs> in the <laughs> arts industry. Um, but what I like about this film is that Nan Golden's work, which is primarily like, shown through us in slides, like all of her photography is so beautiful and vibrant that this film doesn't feel like eating your vegetables. It feels just as like 
vibrant as her work is. Um, and so I think that people can watch all the beauty and the bloodshed and know that they're going to be deeply moved, but I don't think you have to think like, Oh, I, I, what a, it's going to be tough to watch that movie about addiction or, you know, like people dying. Um, I think this movie is just really, really beautiful and moving. Um, and I, I really, really recommend it. I cannot wait to see it. I usually end up with a documentary somewhere on my list. And this year I don't have one. And I feel like this would probably be the one that ends up on there. So <laughs> I will eventually get a chance to see it when uh, HBO finally decides to put it out. Yeah. it's you know I think it might be one of the only documentaries I've seen this year. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so I'm also keeping my fingers crossed for its Oscar chances um, as one that I've just really loved. Yeah, great. Um, So what is your number six movie of the year? My number six movie is a movie that I do not think will be on your list at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is The Banshees of Inishirin. Um, In The Banshees of Inishirin, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson play lifelong friends who find themselves at... Uh, an impasse (laughs) when one of them decides to just end the relationship. Uh, And for me, I think like looking at a movie about kind of grasping at the meaning of your life um, in and coming out of a pandemic (laughs) is uh, devastating. And for me, yet it was still one of the funniest movies that I saw this year. Um, I really, really love Colin Farrell's performance in this. Um, And this movie felt very, very tight and focused Um, and again, I watched it again this weekend and just really, really loved everything about it. Man, Colin Farrell's having a hell of a year, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. With very different characters. (laughs) Yeah. Between this Um, and the Batman and after Yang. Um, is he in anything else? I feel like he's. No, I think those are the big three. Yeah, man. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. What, what I want to say about Banshees is that I had a very strong reaction to it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the as time has passed my fondness for this movie continues to grow yeah um even the, i i have to like um respect my initial gut reaction which was like strong <laughs> distaste yes um but so so i i couldn't put this on my top 10 list in any like you know honest way mm-hmm. but I will say that i yeah i i respect this film so much i've recommended it to a lot of people um, I think that this is a great film and it's one that I have like a, a personal weird reaction to, but that I do think is a very good movie. Yeah. I do not think you are alone in the personal reaction to it. Yeah. <laughs> so did Rebecca see this movie? Did she she did. It? And she felt the exact same way you did. See, she, that's, that's it, like nice she, she's, she actually said to me yesterday, she was like, the more I've thought about it and the farther I've gotten away from that movie, the better I think it is, but yeah. I don't want to watch it again. And I will not. Exactly. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know that, like, when I first watched Banshees, I was like, oh, I'm not going to watch In Bruges because, like, I'm not, this yeah. guy is not for me. Yeah. And now there's a part of me that's like, maybe I should. Maybe <laughs> I should give it. We'll see. Give it a shot. Give it a yeah. shot. Um, I think very, I think you'll have a similar reaction to In Bruges. I think there are some, some things in it that you're just like, ugh, yeah. why, why are you doing this? But sure. Did you like uh, Three Billboards out of Ebbing, Missouri? So, Three Billboards, I think, is a very incredibly flawed film. Yeah. I think there are certain scenes, I think a lot similar to Banshees, where like there are certain scenes in Three Billboards that I think are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, amazingly written, perf- acted. I think the concept is really, really great. 
Um, I think overall, it's just a very flawed, messed up movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I felt similar to, with that movie that you did to bros of like, I can see all of the shaggy bad things about this movie. Um, right. and yet still really enjoyed it. I don't, I didn't yeah. like it as much as you liked bros, but, <laughs> right, <laughs> but, right. um, yeah, I, I, I think Banshees is his best movie. It's his tightest movie. Um, yeah. And I think I think the things that shine there shine the best in Banshees. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. All right, what's your number five? All right, we're, we've reached the top. Our top five yes. films of twenty twenty two. The best, the best of the best. Yeah. So here's a movie again that I have some complicated feelings about. <laughs> I'll be honest that it could have been higher on this list, but it got knocked down. Because I think that this movie is bad for the world. Oh. And that is Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) I love Top Gun Maverick so much. Your problematic fave. It is very problematic. (laughs) Incredibly problematic. Um, And yet, I want to watch this movie every day. Like, I love Top Gun Maverick. Uh, This is... This movie, I had is so here's what i love about top gun maverick it is concise effective storytelling this movie understands what people love about movies and what they want to like what they want when they go to a movie theater and they want to have like an entertaining time this movie understands that on like a deep deep level um it's fun it's heartwarming it's thrilling it's funny it's charismatic it's exciting i had a blast in a way that like i rarely have like i rarely get this like excited about movies that are not my thing you know what i mean like (laughs) (laughs) um and so yeah i i was taken away by like how much i love top gun maverick and i didn't have a lot of time to rewatch most of the movies in my top 10 list mm-hmm. so i started like rewatching the trailers before yeah. we recorded just to kind of remind myself i watched the top gun trailer and i was like i want to watch this movie right this second yeah. i love this yeah. so much it is um, a banger <laughs> yeah it's a banger that's the perfect way to describe it um i think it's problematic I'll own this because Tom Cruise is a deeply problematic individual. Um, It's problematic because I think it is a advertisement for the military industrial complex. Um, I think it's like the way it, the way it um, treats like the foreign enemy in this movie, I think is interesting, but also somewhat problematic. Um, Anyway, there's a lot that is not great about it. I, I, re- I read one letterbox review that was that gave it like four stars and it was like minus a star because this is bad for the world. Um, <laughs> I think this is a great, great movie, though, and I can't and I enjoy watching it so much. All did right. you finally watch this movie? I've been begging you to for a long you, time. You have been begging me to watch it forever. I did finally watch it. And you're right. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard to uh, watch this movie and not absolutely love it. Um, I uh, definitely want to talk to you more at some point about uh, the things that you find problematic about it. Because I don't find it fully problematic. I, I know that t- uh, Tom Cruise is a problematic individual. 100% on board with that. Yeah. I don't think this um, 
is as glorifying of the military as it could be. And I think it's decision to really, really not get into the details of the enemy or anything about the actual politics of this movie is a great decision that they carried over from the first Top Gun movie. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's the wrong decision. But yeah. I, I don't think there's a way that you could have gotten into this without it, this movie completely falling apart. Um, right. But I, I agree that it is uh, a very, it's a, it's a nice coat of paint on something that if you, you pick at it a little bit, uh, gets a very messy very quickly. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, my, dis- my number five is a movie that is not problematic in any way, shape or form. <laughs> it is decision to leave. Uh, oh. we talked about this before Park Chan-wook's, uh, movie about, um, uh, a detective investigating a possible homicide who ends up becoming obsessed and with, with, who ends up becoming obsessed with the dead man's wife. It is a mystery thriller romance that. He's right up my alley. <laughs> um, I know we talked about this a little bit about his previous movie, The Handmaiden, um, and just how fantastic this that movie was. Um, I think this movie really stuck with me, and I think the filmmaking in this movie is incredible. I keep watching the trailer and just clips from this movie as well, and I was just like, yeah. "This is I." There's there's a special effects breakdown, which this isn't a movie that you would think has a ton of spe- – like it has special effects. But the way he uses special effects for very ordinary things is so seamless and so incredibly done that lets this movie be made at a lower budget than I think it it, it could have been made for or needed um, and just still looks phenomenal. Uh, I, I really loved this movie. Yeah, I love this movie as well because it is my number four. Oh! Um, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, you know, this is, I've only seen three Park Chan-wook movies, I think, now that I'm looking through. Um, but that's enough for me to declare that I think he's a genius. And I, I think everything I've seen from him has been masterful. Um, the way that like he blends genre with the way that he blends thriller and mystery and romance and humor all together is so seamless. Um, His movies are so romantic. I love what a romantic he is. Um, And yet none of his films, I think are are categorized as like romances. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, And I'm a sucker for romance. So that, so I I love his work because of that. Um, But also I love that this movie keeps you on your toes. Um, I love that it's like look at human nature and our inherent like curiosity about one another. Um, I found this movie just to be really, really masterful. And yeah, one of the most beautiful films I've seen this year. This and Nope are like the two that like cinematography wise mm-hmm. I'm so obsessed with. Yeah. Um I, I just I, I hope it he makes another one soon. Because I feel like Handmaiden came out like quite a long time ago. Yes. Twenty sixteen? Twenty seventeen. So I I think he has a, a TV show coming out next year. Let me take a look if I can figure that out. He's been bouncing back and forth between TV and and movies. Does he um, have a new show coming out this year that you have you are you familiar with that? There's a TV show called The Let's Sympathizer see. um that he is working on currently with Robert Downey Jr. Oh, that's it. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I haven't watched his other TV projects, um, but I need to because I, I've never I've I've loved everything I've seen of his. I started uh, the Little Drummer Girl. Yeah. Um, with uh, Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Right? Um, it is the episode I watched is good, and then I got caught up in other things, and I will yeah. eventually get back around to watching. <laughs> um, now, did you see Old Boy? I did see Old Boy, yes. Did you like it? I did not like Old Boy. <laughs> I haven't seen it, and I've never been drawn towards it. Yeah, that is not one that I would recommend to okay. almost anyone. I I do think, like, again, everything he does looks amazing. His mix of genres is fantastic. Uh, it just goes in directions that I am not interested in for Old Boy. <laughs> okay, yeah. interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, well, nevertheless, I, I love this film as yeah. well. I'm glad that we both have this on our list. Yes, and at number four. Um, yeah. Well, to talk about my number four, we have to go backwards to Mission Impossible Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when I brought it up, I was like, I wonder if this is on his list or not. Like, he's he's talking about it, so it sounds like it's not. Yeah. I yeah. Can't, I'm so happy that it is. Um, America's last movie star uh, just really knows how to make a movie. Um, like you said, he's extremely problematic. <laughs> but I am uh, he. I, I mean, I'm I'm in the bag for absolutely everything he does so far. Yeah. So it's. I agree with you that this movie is almost perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as far as being able to tell a story like this, like an. Bringing Chris McQuarrie on to help with the script on this movie, I think, is a fantastic uh, move because he, it's so crisp and so simple. And it, like I, I mean, I joked about it being a Mission Impossible movie, but it feels like a Mission Impossible movie in the totally. way that it sets up the plan, sets up how we how we have to achieve this, so that the last act can just be a rip roaring action without us trying to figure out what needs to happen. We can just right. watch it all play out, and it's incredible. It truly is incredible. Yeah, I also think one thing I didn't mention when I talked about Top Gun is, like, this cast mm. is so great. Yeah. Um, to bring – I mean, Tom Cruise is obviously a movie star for a reason. We love him as a performer. <laughs> um, but to bring on Miles Teller, who I've always had such a soft spot for, um, I think he does a great job in this movie. He's perfect casting. Yeah. And then Glenn Powell, oh. who I'm always rooting always. for Glenn Powell. <laughs> Um, he was again also perfect casting in this movie. Um, Jennifer Connelly is Jennifer Connelly. It looks incredible. She yeah. has never looked better than in Top yeah. Gun Maverick. <laughs> Very much so. Um, <laughs> even to have like t- John Hamm. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm always happy to see John Hamm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this movie's just really really great. Honestly, the only crime that this movie commits is that it cast Manny Jacinto in this film and then didn't give him much to do. 100% agree. He's in the background of, like, one shot. Apparently, they cut out a lot of the stuff that he was in. But I imagine. It, you're just like, what are you doing? Why yeah. Why is yeah. he not in this movie more? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, oh, this movie also has um, Bashir Salahuddin. Oh, man. Who, yeah. Let me tell you, every single damn time I see him in a movie – I'm like, you are so, so great in this part. Yeah. I just love him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Casting that guy as uh, Tom Cruise's best friend is a wild <laughs> casting choice and works <laughs> completely for some reason. <laughs> so. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh man, that's fun. I liked the flip flop of our fours and fives. Me too, yeah. and I'm I'm so glad that you finally saw this movie and that you loved it. Oh yeah, I saw it, and we'll see it many many more times. <laughs> totally, totally. So. Here's here's my biggest question: Do you think Tom, that Top Gun has a chance at winning Best Picture? I don't think it has a chance of winning Best Picture, uh, yeah. but I think it has a chance of getting nominated for sure. I think it's definitely going to get nominated. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I, I'm just curious because I just think it is such a like, um, it's such a great story. You know, like it's had such a great run this summer. It ran for so long. It really did. And I think people just, people love this movie. I I would be very surprised, but not necessarily upset if it wins Best Picture. Yeah, <laughs> so. me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Well, let's, let, I am very curious to hear your top three. So All right, let's do well, it. My number three movie of the year is um, happens to be my most anticipated movie of the year, and that is Fire Island. Yes, yeah. So Fire Island, um, written and stars Joel, written by and stars Joel Kim Booster. Uh, Joel Kim Booster is a comedian that I have loved for years. I love his stand up. I love um, his appearances on many podcasts. I, and I now love him as a writer and perform actor. Um, this is a modern day retelling of Pride and Prejudice set on Fire Island with a group of gay best friends. Um, it stars Joel Kim Booster in the Elizabeth Bennett role and it stars Bowen Yang um, as her sister, Jane. Yes, Jane. Uh, but that's not their names in the movie. That's the Pride and Prejudice names. <laughs> it is... I love Pride, 2005 Pride and Prejudice is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, Bowen Yang, Joel Kim Booster, and Matt Rogers, who hosts a podcast with Bowen Yang. There's three of my favorite working comedian, comedians and comedic voices. Um, the podcast Lost Culturistas is my all-time favorite podcast. I was primed to love this movie, and I it was highly anticipated. Um, and it lived up to all my hopes. Um I think this movie is so, so sweet, but even more than it is sweet and romantic, which it is both of those things, I also think that this movie is hysterically funny. Um, I think the writing is so good, and it may, every line in this movie makes me laugh. Um, Matt Rogers, I think that this is a breakout role for him. He, I think, is, going, is destined to be a huge star because... He's one of the side characters in this film, and yet he is constantly stealing the spotlight with how charming and funny he is. Um, I can't wait for Joel Kim Booster to write more movies because I loved this one and his writing so much. Um, yeah, and I just was swept away by it. It was everything I want in a romance. Did you get a chance to see Fire Island? I did watch Fire Island and had a lot of fun with it. I I want them to make more of the, Yeah. I want them to one make more movies and two I want the industry to do more uh Victorian uh remakes in modern times. Um yeah. I feel like the, the 90s was real big on that and right. they got away from it and it's time. <laughs> let's do yeah. it. Let's do it some more. More Jane Austen, more Shakespeare, modern day Shakespeare, modern yes, day Austen. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All of yeah. that needs to happen again. So definitely, um, you know, we're we're kind of getting like we had um, pers- this isn't a modern day version, but we got Persuasion came out this year. Mm, yeah, um, did you get a chance to see that? I did not. I did not like the trailer. Yeah, I 
liked it. I don't I didn't love it, mm-hmm. but I liked it. Yeah. And it was kind of it is set in Jane Austen times, mm-hmm. but it the dialogue feels a little bit more modern. Yeah. Um and so that was, you know, kind of its take mm-hmm. on that. Um but yeah, no Fire Island coming back to this it is uh, rom I love rom-coms. They're my, it's my favorite genre, but most rom-coms that are made are not actually funny enough to be categorized as rom-coms. I agree. Yeah. They're lighthearted romances. Mm-hmm. And this is a movie that is bringing the comedy into that genre. Um, and so if you really, yeah, if you want to laugh, Fire Island is the one to watch. I agree with that. What uh, is your number three movie? Uh, yeah, you two? have left me with no uh, segue into <laughs> my number three movie of the year, which is Tar. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, this is about a conductor who is getting ready to record uh, a seminal live album. And it really explores what power and genius does to a person and how those end up being used to control others. Um, I think it's so well-crafted. I think it's like this movie truly is really extraordinary. Um, Todd Fields is a great director, and I think this movie really, really shows that off. I think it's really sparse for being very long. <laughs> um, and it's a very cold movie, and so I don't think it's for everybody, but I really, really thought it was brilliant. I agree that it is brilliant and that it is a very, very good movie. I also agree that it's very cold. (laughs) Um, And that coldness, I think, is what kind of, like, prevented it from making my list. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do agree that it's, like, brilliant and that also this is one of the – like the best, like, singular performances I've seen in a long time. Um, Yeah. Kate Blanchett – I've never, she's always great, mm-hmm. and yet I've never seen her like this. It's I have so no impressive. doubt that she will win the Oscar for this. Yeah, one. I mean, there's just no way I think anyone else could win right. with this right. performance. Yeah. No. Um, but that's Tar, and I would recommend it to almost no one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I truly it loved a, it. It's a tough one to recommend, it is. I, but it is one that, yet, I am very, very glad that I saw it. Yeah. So, if that can be a recommendation, yeah. um, take it as that. Exactly. Yeah. All right, your number two. Okay, well, I so. I think I know what your number one and number two are at this point, based on what we've gone through. Uh, I'm uh, very excited to talk about your number one and two. <laughs> so. Okay, <laughs> I want I want to hear what your guesses are, and let's see if you get them right and if you get them in the right order. Okay, I think your number two is Everything Everywhere All at Once, and I think your number one is Women Talking. Okay, my number two. Is women talking. Ah, I flipped them. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just recently saw Women Talking. It just came out this past weekend <laughs> um, at my local independent theater. This is a movie that was on my radar and I knew I wanted to see, but I didn't anticipate how much I would love it. Um, it is a film. It's about a group of women in an um, Mennonite isolated like colony and several sexual assaults have been happening to them, um, happening to the women in this colony and they have to make a decision about what they're going to do about it. Um, and earlier on in this episode, I talked about how much of a sucker I am for movies that are just conversations. And that is this movie. And the the title is exactly what this movie is. It is the whole movie 
is just women talking. I couldn't ask for more. Out of a movie. <laughs> that is all I ever want movies to be is just women talking to each other. Um, and so I, I'm was, you know, drawn to it in that regard. Um, but I also stories about, I'm also really, really passionate about stories about faith. Um, I, I love movies that like honestly deal with like the struggle of faith. Um, and I am also passionate about women's stories about sexual assault. Um, and the fact that this movie covers both of those topics with such care and insightfulness and um, honesty is, it just blew me away. Um, I, I was really overwhelmed by this film. Um, the conversations that these women have, the way that this film sh- values the different um, positions that all these different women take, um, almost all of them victims of sexual assault. Um, I, I, I was I was blown away by it. I think it's one of the best films of the year. Um, I, I worry that this film is not going to get the attention it deserves. One, because people are going to be scared of the subject matter and two, because it's coming out at a tough time of the year. Um, but I, I really want people to see this because um, I think it is a, a masterclass in writing and in acting. The performances that we get in this movie, the actresses are, it is mind blowing. Claire Foy in particular um, yes. is a powerhouse as well as Jesse Buckley. Um, I will watch, I love Jesse Buckley. I can't Mm -hmm. wait to see her career develop as she ages. Um, but this, you know, another, another drop in the bucket of like how amazing performances from her. Um, yeah, there is, you know, there was one criticism I had when I was watching it and it was the characterization of Rooney Mara's character. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's a scene at the end that completely redeems that characterization for me. Um, And I just, I found everything about this film fascinating and moving. Um, So yeah, that's my number two movie of the year. Well, we are going to keep on talking about it because it is also (laughs) my number two. (laughs) (laughs) That's great to hear. Um, Yeah, there were only two movies this year that I waterboarded myself uh, crying into my mask. Um, (laughs) And this is one of them. Yeah. Um, So everything you said is correct. It's so good. Uh, The performances are absolutely incredible, including the people that I'd never seen before. Um, Again, when you give space to just these women talking for basically the whole movie, um, you get these performances from actresses like – Michelle McLeod and uh, Sheila McCarthy and Judith Ivy, who all three of those I haven't really seen in anything before. Same. And, Michelle McLeod especially. Yeah. Was, I thought so good. Yeah. Such a good performance. And so every everything that they did um, was truly incredible. Um, I think they're – yeah, the way they talked through their options. And like you said, the, de- the decision is so intertwined with faith for this community is – so well done <laughs> um without it feeling um like it's gonna fall into tropes at all 
Um, I think someone we didn't talk about is Ben Wishaw, who's yeah. really the only man in this movie, um, and truly the only man I'd trust to be in a movie like this. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, agree. Um, he gives a fantastic performance that doesn't, I think, take away from uh, the focus of this movie, which is really good. My one right. complaint about this movie is that it looks like trash. Um, it is shot in a way that almost evokes black and white, but is really just desaturated. And right. I have no idea why that decision was made. Um, it didn't take away from the movie for me. It just was the whole time I was like, I would love to see this in black and white, or I would love to see it in color. But this halfway does mm. really doesn't work for me. <laughs> yeah. That didn't, I, I definitely noticed it, but it didn't bother me yeah. at all. Um, yeah, no, that, uh, but I, I understand people, that criticism from yeah. people. Yeah. Um, one, one other thing I wanted to mention about this movie, I, I read a review that described this movie as like a blend of parable and drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love that description of it because I don't know that we get that many parables these days, you know? Yeah. Um, n- new parables that feel, um, like they're speaking to modern times. Um, and this really does. And, you know, the, the language of calling it a parable also like, you know, is evocative of like faith and religion. And this movie deals with faith and religion in ways that I found really compelling. But I also really thought that the conversations that they're having while faith is intertwined throughout the whole conversation, um, if you are a person without faith, I don't think that this movie will um, feel foreign to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that these conversations are really about just ethics and also just like how we as a society deal with sexual assault. Um, and so I don't think that that is like a restrictive thing that the faith is a part of this film. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this is one that I would encourage everybody to watch. I feel like you have to. Big time. Yeah. Well, that makes me think that we have the exact same number one as well. <laughs> it makes me think that as well. My number one is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Same. Yep. Okay. We did it. We did it. <laughs> yeah. You know, Lucas, we haven't had the same number one in quite some time. Not since Columbus. It's true. Yeah. Um, But this is a fitting one. Um, Similarly to good luck to you, Leo grand. When I saw this movie, I knew it would be in my top 10. Yeah. Um, When I saw it, I was like, well, this is the one to beat and nothing has beat it. It's my favorite movie of the year. It is one of the most imaginative and creative and ambitious movies I've seen in a really, really long time. I love, a movie that's ambitious and that really goes for it. Um, and boy, does this movie go for <laughs> it. Um, I love that it blends like really weird, wacky humor with, yeah, some of the most like moving scenes I've seen all year, scenes that have made me cry. Um, it blends everything. It blends action and humor and romance and, um, thoughtful writing all into one um we've we talked about we did a whole episode on it so if you really want to hear me rave about it go listen to that episode but i i have um nothing but praise for this film yeah i 100 percent agree with you there it's by far my favorite my favorite movie of the year it's just so it's it's one of those that i look at and see like how did you do that like this is 
an incredible achievement on all counts writing directing acting like everything about it is truly incredible and you don't see many movies like this i think it is a lot and it is in a, in a way that i think is just that feels unique uh and truly truly uh like a masterpiece yeah um i'm really crossing my fingers that this one could have a chance at winning best picture i hope so to me it feels like coda that like everyone loves this movie and everybody's in love with the cast and the more they go on the award circuit the more and more people are just excited to talk about the movie and 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 talk about the people who are in it so i'm i'm really hoping it pulls a coda yeah and it's a much better film oh yeah for sure for sure (laughs) Yeah. yeah um yeah i i I wish I had more to say about it, but I feel like I've talked myself out um, yeah. because of that episode we did about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just every everyone who hasn't seen this movie yet, my my God, go see this movie. Yeah, this is this is the one to see going into awards season. If you're someone Absolutely. who likes to watch the best picture movies, definitely watch this one uh, as soon as you possibly can. <laughs> so. Agreed. All right. Um, so that's our top 10. Uh, let's talk about our honorable mentions. Which ones barely didn't make the cut this year? Yeah. So my, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier that I had a really hard time choosing between my number 10 and mm-hmm. my number 11. And my number 11 was after Yang. Same. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's a movie that when I saw it, I thought it was really, really good. But the one thing that um, kept it off the list for me was... I had a hard time remembering anything specific from that film. Mm-hmm. Um, specific scenes or, or, or specific plots. Um, and so that, that lack of memorability is what kind of held me back from putting that on my list. But I do remember liking it a lot and yeah. thinking it was a really good movie. Yeah. I think it's extremely well done. I like it a lot. It just didn't stick with me as emotionally as um, as all the other movies on my list. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, some of the other ones that I that I really enjoyed and and kind of made it made it close were um, I think I talked about this before, but uh, it's a Amazon Prime movie called Emergency. Um, very very good. Um, also, oh, yes. Emily the Criminal, um, which I think is on Netflix at the moment, as well as The Fablemans. Um, I you know I've heard I I keep hearing about Emily the Criminal. I really need to like t- check that out. It's really good. Aubrey Plaza is just is really 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 dialed in in it yeah. and it's it's just a small um it, it feels like a small intimate movie that um is i don't want to say too much about it for plot reasons sure <laughs> um but i think her performance really really uh anchors that thing yeah um so i have a few more a lot of like movies that um normally wouldn't be my type of movie because they're so violent mm-hmm. so there's rrr yep. is, is on my honorable <laughs> mentions um the woman king yeah um, the Northman, I really love. Oh, loved. yeah, that's right. Yeah. The Northman is one that was like, it's definitely not in my top 10, but like, I know I had, I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, cinematography wise, again, that was like oh, probably yeah. my number three movie, cinematography wise. Um, and then also, um, 3,000 Years of Longing is yeah. a movie that, you know, I, again, that ending didn't work for me, but the rest of it felt so special. I agree. Definitely. Um, so speaking of things that did not work, what was your most <laughs> disappointing movie for for the year? For me, well, I, it's always um, kind of that gap. What is the what is the biggest gap between expectation and reality? Yeah, I'm wondering if we might have the same one this year. Ooh, um, mine is Don't Worry, Darling. Mm. It that is a movie that I had pretty high expectations for, 
Um, and I honestly think it was the worst movie of the year for me. It was bad, um, <laughs> but it was fun, and I think that helped it for me. Um, I still enjoyed watching it, <laughs> yeah. even though it was uh, very very bad for me I just remind you that yeah. i think your letterbox score of it was like one and a half oh yeah no, no 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 it, it's bad it's very bad <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> definitely not <laughs> definitely not saying that but i don't think i had as high expectations for it sure. as you did um sure. i thought it would be good but not uh i think at the level of probably my end of your list <laughs> so yeah um for me the most disappointing movie was see how they run which is an agatha christie-esque murder mystery starring saoirse ronan and sam rockwell this felt like it was gonna be the movie for me (laughs) um and honestly about 80 percent of the way through i still thought it was gonna be the movie for me i thought it would end up on my list and the end falls apart so hard so hard so much it falls apart so much worse than three thousand years of longing um that the movie ended up at the bottom of my list this year for sure out of all the movies i saw so i was so disappointed (laughs) in that movie um it's bad it's real bad but i really wanted it to be good yeah Um, what about your most surprisingly enjoyable movie of the year? Okay, so my most surprisingly enjoyable movie of the year is RRR. All right. And, and it's only that because it's surprising because I would have never known about this movie. I don't I don't I don't know if I've ever watched an Indian movie that's like I've watched movies about Indian people, but not like base made in India, like, you know, by Indian people. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't think I've ever watched like a Bollywood movie. And yeah, so this just came out of nowhere and I had a, just the the most ultimate blast with it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, for me, it is the movie Spirited, which is the musical version of the Charles Dickens story. <laughs> this was a close runner up for my surprising. Um, yeah, I am not a huge Ryan Reynolds guy in his uh, new kind of quippy world. Um, yeah. But this movie... I had a lot of fun with this movie and watching it over Christmas with um, all of the musical moments. Octavia Spencer uh, plays a really good role in this movie. Yeah, I had so much fun with it. And I, 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 I was thinking about it. I was like, I will probably watch that again next Christmas. And that is uh, shocking for how I came into that movie. <laughs> so. Honestly, like this, I, I agree. Like Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell are not people that I'm, I really gravitate towards yeah. them and yeah. their work. Um, but Ryan, this is, like, the perfect movie for Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Like, he was really, like, in his – all the things that that Ryan Reynolds does do well and that does, like, make him charming was everything about his character in this movie. Yeah. Um, there, there's a one musical number in this movie that I will rewatch over and over, um, the, the Good Afternoon sequence. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just very funny, so well done. Really impressive also to see Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell do these musical numbers and these dance sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't have pegged that for either of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, this movie's so fun. Yeah. I have to admit, I was surprised by how the movie ends. Um, I feel like it's something that probably other people called, and I did not. Um, but <laughs> I really, really enjoyed uh, the ending of this movie. So Me too. Uh, it is January, and you are probably not looking for a Christmas movie to watch. But <laughs> right. next year... Put it on the calendar. Spirited. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, okay, now comes, I think, my favorite part of this episode is yeah, our totally. most anticipated movies of 2023. 
Um, as you said, your most anticipated movie of this year was, um, why did I just forget the name of it? Fire Island. It's Fire Island. Yep. I was like, I can picture it. And I wanted to say after Yang, (laughs) I was like, that's not what it's called. Fire Island. Um, yeah, your most anticipated was Fire Island, which made it on your list, which I would say is a, is a rarity. I would say for the most part, our movies, our most anticipated movies don't end up always being, um, uh, that, that, that well received by, by us. You know? I think I have like kind of like a 50-50 yeah. rate. I, I I probably do too, but that's a that's a failing rate. Let right? me tell you, I have kept track of all of our most anticipated yeah. movies, so we could review them okay. if we needed to. All right. Um mine, do we want to? Mine this yeah, what yeah, what 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 are what are what are we looking at? Some of our past ones. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so we start I started recording this in 2016. Yep. Um my most anticipated movie that year was Baby Driver. Uh, so not I didn't love that movie. No. Um, yours was The Glass Castle. Oh, yeah. Did not make it on either of our lists. (laughs) No, but I liked The Glass Castle. Yeah, I did like The Glass Castle. Okay. Um, 2017, mine was Eighth Grade. That was my number one movie of 2018. So I did well there. Nailed it. Um, yours was Widows. Yep. Also made my list. Yeah. So we did great in 2017. 2018, mine was Knives Out. Um, I think Knives Out made my list. I am pretty sure it did. Yeah, and then yours was also Knives Out. Oh, yeah. It definitely um, made my list. Yeah. So. Okay. Killing it. Then 2019, mine was after Yang. No, oh, yeah, after yeah, Yang yeah. didn't come out until this year. <laughs> and it almost made my list. Yeah. So I'm going to count it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you um, should count it. <laughs> well, and then um, yours was Soul. Did Soul make your Soul list? Soul did not make my list. Yeah. Um, after that, 2020, mine was The Eyes of Tammy Faye. That movie was okay. Um not great. Yeah. And then yours was The Harder They Fall. Which Did that make your list? Made my list. Yes. Okay. Great. Um, and that was then, 2021. Both of those movies were 2021. Oh, excuse me. Wait. Did I? Y- you made the prediction. Yeah. I just didn't say 2020. For 2020. Yeah. I, yeah. Right. And so in 2021, I was anticipating Fire Island. Yep. It made my list. And um, I was you... anticipating Blonde. Blonde. Did you <laughs> Which I blonde? didn't even watch. No. <laughs> First time that has happened where one of us has anticipated something that we didn't even watch. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I heard so many bad things about this movie, and this was not a year that I was like, let me watch uh, a very long sure. traumatic movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't end up watching it. Who knows? I could have absolutely loved it. You never know. Okay. But probably not. <laughs> I also have recorded some of the other movies you were anticipating last year. Yes. Um, the, the runner ups. Yep. Do you want me to go through those? Yes. Bullet Train. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about Bullet it's, Train it's, now? It's fine. Okay. Um, you were anticipating Mission Impossible. It did not come out yep. this year. Um, nope. Major list. Yep. You were also anticipating Killers of the Flower Moon, which did not also come out this come year. Out. Yep. Um, I was anticipating Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm-hmm. So Killed did it. well with that. Don't worry, darling. Yep. Hated it. Yep. <laughs> After Yang, liked it. Um, and she said, which I liked but didn't love. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I really, really liked it. Yeah, yeah. It just didn't make my list. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Good. Um, okay, so now we're at our anticipated movies for 2023. Yes. Oh, also, the past two years, Lucas, you have tried to guess what mine is. I'm not doing that this year. I oh, failed. I think you should. I failed every single time. No, you didn't. Did I not? No, you got the eyes of Tammy Faye right. Oh, nice. I'm Okay. And... You you didn't get Fire Island right, but you thought it was going to be Don't Worry Darling, which yeah. was one of my runner-ups. Yeah. 
Um, I really think you're going to get it. I you... Okay. Okay. I'm going to guess it. It's Is it Barbie? It's Of course it's Barbie. Yeah. yeah. This is, I mean, this is not my number one most anticipated movie, but it is definitely my number two. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I have loved the two movies that Greta Gerwig has directed. Mm-hmm. I think have both been masterpieces, yep. especially Little Women. They've both made my list. Yeah. Greta Gerwig is a genius i cannot no matter what she was making it truly would not matter i would be it would probably be my most anticipated mm-hmm. um the fact that it is a barbie movie starring margot robbie and ryan gosling i mean i am so excited yeah i can't wait um my my only worry about that like i think this movie will make a ton of money i really hope yeah. it makes all the money in the world my only worry is that it comes out the week after my most anticipated movie of the year which is which is mission impossible sure wait uh, what is the full name of it? i have to say this it's... mission impossible colon dead reckoning colon dash, dash. part two part one <laughs> part one yes sorry <laughs> part one obviously you didn't see the first one it came out last year <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> yeah what a what a name but also i have avoided everything about this movie i know there's been a trailer i know there's been a, a stunt release that they've that they've shown i'm i don't want to see a single thing this is my most anticipated movie of many years i would say yeah this is my this is a runner-up for me yeah. as well um i have some more runners up if we want to go through some of those Okay, yeah. so let's. Yeah. I'll get out of the way first. The the blockbusters, which is the Mission Impossible. Yeah, and then now mm-hmm. here's a question: Are we calling it Fast Ten or are we calling it Fast X? It's a great question. I'm calling it Fast Ten. I would too. Yeah. So Fast Ten, Mission Impossible. I'm excited about both of mm-hmm. those. Same. Um, let me tell you, I was reading a lot of like movies we're anticipating in 2023 yeah. lists, and. Most of the list is franchise stuff. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's all so much franchise stuff that I'm actually not anticipating. I know, same. <laughs> These are the only two that I'm really excited yeah. about. Yeah. Um, I, I I would add to the list um the well it's it's not a it's not a well, I guess it is franchise. It's a second movie. It's Dune Part Two. So that's yeah. that's one that I'm like, I'm anticipating that, but it's not high on the anticipation scale. Same. I'm looking forward to it, yeah. but I'm yeah. Yeah. Um but there's a bunch of things that are not big franchises that I am highly anticipating. Um, two of them, I believe, are going to come out at uh, Sundance, which is coming up here soon. Um, one of them is called Cat Person. Um, it is directed by Susanna Fogel, who um, made oh, – there's a movie. What did she make that I loved? I think it was called Life Partners. Um, did you ever see that movie? I don't think I did, no. Cat person, did you read the cat person yes, short story that was like hit all a buzz mm-hmm. on Twitter, right? Um, very controversial. I found it to be very perceptive and interesting. It's being made into a feature film. It's starring Amelia Jones from Coda and Nicholas Braun, um, you know, from all Succession. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, that casting and just like the buzziness from the short story has got me very interested in cat person. Um, next I have is uh, probably actually my, my number two, um, most anticipated is Challengers. It's directed by Luca Guadagnino, who I love. Um, it stars Zendaya, Mike Feist, and Josh O'Connor. Um, Mike Feist was the best part of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Um, Josh O'Connor was played, um, Prince Charles in The Crown. So good. 
he's been in a bunch of movies that I loved. Um, he, he's, I really, really think he's so talented. Um, and Challengers is a tennis drama about kind of like a love triangle. Um, Zendaya plays like a, a coach who has transformed her husband into like a tennis star. And, um, he has to go up against his former best friend and her former boyfriend. Um, so just that subject matter, the fact that it's Luca Guadagnino, the fact that it's those three actors, yeah. I think that this movie is going to be incredible. I'm very excited for him to move out of his body horror phase again. Me too. I, I, I love his movies. I didn't watch Superior. Superior? Suspiria. Suspiria. There we go. I didn't yeah. watch Suspiria or uh, Bones and All. So. Yeah. Um, did you watch his, I, I imagine you didn't, his HBO show? Uh, what was his HBO show? Oh, um, we are who we are. I think yes. that's what it was called. We are the city. Um, oh, we are. Yeah, that's right. There were two. Yeah. That were similar. Yeah. I did not watch it. No. It was pretty good. Um. Yeah. I don't know that it'd yeah. be your thing, yeah. but I think it was really good. Yeah. Um. Another movie I'm really excited. Yeah. 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 <laughs> another movie I'm really <laughs> excited about is called "You Hurt My Feelings," directed by Nicole Holofcener. Um. Mm-hmm. It stars Julia Louis Dreyfus and Tobias Menzies. Um. And it's sort of a comedy. Uh, about a um a woman who's a novelist who overhears her husband like talking about her work um and how like their lives spin out from there um i'm mostly excited because i loved enough said the last time that nicole mm-hmm. halsiner and julia louis dreyfus um partnered together for a film i thought that movie was really amazing and so having them together again is exciting also it has this really all-star cast um tobias menzies also in the crown um played um prince philip um he's also in a really great show oh what is it called starring ashling b on hulu i'm blanking on the name but he's really really good in it um so i've grown to really be fond of him um this movie also has michaela watkins who i think is an amazingly um funny comedic actress um Mm -hmm. arian moeed from succession um, who I think All I always right. love when he pops up in yeah. succession. And then it has this younger actor whose name is Owen Teague. Um, Owen Teague, I've only seen like in a couple of things. He was in this movie called this like teen rom-com, not rom-com, teen like romance called Every Day. But he was so good in it. And he had a small role on a TV show called Mrs. Fletcher um, with Catherine Hahn. He was also really, really good in that. Um, so he's a young actor that I just see good things for. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. Okay, I have one last movie to talk about. And that is called Leave the World Behind. Um, this movie is going to be straight to Netflix, directed by Sam Esmail. I have never seen anything Sam Esmail has made. Um, however, he's a frequent guest on <laughs> Ringer Podcasts. And I enjoy him so much on those podcasts. Um Also, this movie is sort of a a thriller. It's based on a book. And um, it stars Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, Ethan Hawke, and Mahala Harold. Um, What an amazing all-star cast. Like, I can't even believe that cast. Um, I'm pretty much excited about any movie Julia Roberts signs up to do. Like, just... She could have her pick of movies, so when she really, like, nails down on one, I think that's always going to be interesting. 
But to have Ethan Hawke and Mahershala Ali and Mahala Harold, who is like this up and coming star, um, I, I just this is definitely going to be something I can't wait to watch. Yeah, that was that was one that was definitely on my list for sure. Yeah. Um, a couple others that I'll I'll add to the list are some some very basic ones. We're gonna bring Killer to the, Killers Killers of the Flower Moon back. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, but also uh, the Killer, which is the new David Fincher movie starring. Yes. Uh, what's his name? Um, Michael Fassbender. Yes, Michael Fassbender, who has been taking a back seat for a little bit. So it's, I'm very excited to see him uh, back in the spotlight. So. Are those the only two? Do those, you have any those others? are the only two that you you haven't already mentioned. Okay. I'm, other than so, leave the world behind. Was there another one on my list that that you were also had on yours? Uh, leave the world behind for sure. And the other one was the um, was it challengers? Challengers. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, those are the two that were that I had overlap with. So I'm excited. 2023, 2023 could be uh, the year movies are really actually back. Right. Yeah. Let's <laughs> so. hope so. <laughs> fully i like we had a really good box office this year but sure. i think uh that it still felt limited in scope um but yeah based on the 2023 calendar we've got so many movies coming out so i'm excited me too but. um yeah i think that there's some really great things that are coming for us yeah. um let's keep our fingers crossed that like yeah mission impossible is is just everything we hope for <laughs> as well as barbie exactly exactly so all right well, this has been a blast. Um, where can we find you online in the meantime? You can find me everywhere um, at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And my list is going to be on my letterbox. Yes, you can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. Um, I will also be posting my list on letterbox as well. So follow us there. And uh, you can check out what we're watching in 2023. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it? Go home? Yep. Move along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 